Welcome to Horror Strap. What's up, horror babies? Welcome back to Horror Struck, a horror commentary podcast where we look at the genre through the lens of a diehard fan and a scaredy cat. I am Riley Ott. I am joined by my co-host and best friend, Cecilia Talbert. This week, we took a look at the 2019 film, The Queen of Black Magic, directed by Kimo Stoimbel. Blanket trigger warning for this episode. Due to the nature of the film, we will be discussing topics such as sexual assault and child abuse. You have been warned. Spoiler warnings for The Queen of Black Magic. I'm going to spoil the whole movie. (sighs) Sorry, I was throwing the dog. (laughs) Of course. I would expect nothing less. He can't jump up on the bed in here because it's too high. You need to get him little doggy steps. He's too dumb. He wouldn't be able to figure it out. (laughs) That's funny. Like a doggy ramp. Uh, That might scare him. I he's dumb. You watched the original? I did. I watched the original because Me too. this movie's a remake. Oh my god, it was wacky. Uh the very funny thing about the original, and I did like it. Mm-hmm. The first half of the movie is is essentially like a good for her movie. Yeah, but like a reluctant one because he's like, "Hey, do black magic." And she's like, "No." But then he's like, "Well, I saved your life, so you have to." And she's like, uh, "Okay, I guess." But then she gets really good at it. I like that his reasoning is, well, if they're going to blame you for doing black magic, you might as well do black magic. Right? And that's something I say, not specifically, but that kind of thing is something I'll say to Michael. Like, oh, if you're going to accuse me of this, I'm going to do it. I only do things out of spite. So I was kind of on his side, but seeing it from the outside, I was like, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. I thought he was being, like, evilly nice until halfway through, and I'm like, oh no, he's just manipulative. This is, uh, religious propaganda about how black magic is bad. Well, and then turned into some sort of weird, like, political story, which I'm not opposed to. It was just very out of left field. But before we go on too much, should we, we should say what movie we're talking about, right? Have we done that yet? Uh, this week we are <laughs> reviewing the Indonesian horror film, The Queen of Black Magic. We're reviewing the 2019 version. It's a remake of a movie from 1981. And speaking of crazy twists, I guess spoilers also for that movie. Um, At the end, so your main girl has fallen in love with this boy. And they're gonna go get married in the city. And then at the very end, he's like, oh wait, I'm your brother. <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry, what? And then she tries to flatten him with a rock. My favorite line is, uh, you were my brother and you were my lover. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, God. <laughs> I <wrote> this. <laughs> Why? I, well, the, okay, so the part I was confused about with the, uh, 81 version is that there are these black magic films from the 70s out of Hong Kong. And listed on IMDb, it says that this movie that we watched, The Queen of Black Magic from 81, is a follow-up to those films. And I don't know if that's true or not, but it did seem like... Like themey? Maybe. 
it seemed like when um the movie started, I was like, I feel like I missed an entire movie before this. So I, I almost want to go check those out. I feel like there was a lot of history I needed to know. The remake is very different than the original movie. They're only really similar in the way that they uh, just reuse some of the names. Yeah, the only thing, I wrote down what some of the similarities were, and it's really just a few of the names are used in both films. There's a lot of bugs in both of them, and there is a pretty intense decapitation scene. Lots of decapitation. In both movies. My favorite thing, if you've been following along. (laughs) But yeah, it kind of reminded me of when we watched the Suspiria remake and the tones Mm, and story and everything is completely different but it had enough personality that it worked really well as its own story and I think the same is definitely true for this stylistically especially they are really different because the 80s one is very wacky very b-horror movie and this new one is just it's trying real hard to be as creepy as possible yeah, and it it might just speak to the time that these movies came out. Yeah, that's true. It's a dark, sad world now. It's very true. Well, it always has been, but it's hard to get away from with, like, the internet and shit now. So did you like the movie? Yeah, it was good. It wasn't what I expected, because I think I built it up in my head to be something a lot more intense. But it, it's a pretty quiet film for the first, like, 45 minutes. And then all the horror just kind of hits you like a brick by the end of it. I have some complaints, but overall, I think it was good. I think it's got some really good scares. I think the story and the twists and stuff are interesting. The acting is fine. I think my biggest complaint about the movie is all of the characters feel very wooden. They all feel very one note. I feel like I do not know a single thing about any of these characters. So it was kind of hard to care about them when bad stuff does start happening. Yeah, I get that. Did you like the movie on your rewatch? Yeah, I liked it just as much as the last time. The big scare with the TV is still like probably one of my favorite scare setups that I've seen in a really long time. I just, it's so perfectly executed. It's so good. That scares the absolute shit out of me. And in this sequence, the like, I don't know if it's her, I assume it is, but the witch that you see looks really different from when you see her later. Oh, it's, no, it's, it's the ghost of, uh, Bira. Oh, okay. I didn't pick up on that. So it's the, the witch's mom. Yeah. Okay. If she had been the main antagonist and that motherfucker had been floating around at me the whole time, this movie easily would have been a 10 out of 10 for how scared I would have been. But since it only happens once... It's fine. I can let it go. But it's really fucking scary. Yeah, I really, really love that sequence. It's so good. I had a really good time watching it with you. I think it would be a fun group movie because it's a lot of gory, screaming at the TV kind of stuff. Yeah, it's exactly the experience I want from a horror movie. It's just a lot of fun. And we talked a little bit after we finished watching it, but... The pacing is very strange in this movie, but it might be one of the very few movies where I actually don't mind it because it's so slow in the first half because it's setting up all these characters and how they know each other and why they are at the orphanage. And then the last half is just like a fucking race car ride to the end. It is insane. Yeah, it's nonstop. 
I agree. Usually, if the pace is off in a movie or like this, I will complain about it. But I think in this movie specifically, it works really well in their favor because it sets you up with this false sense of security for half of the movie. So I'm sitting there like, oh, this is fine. Cecilia was exaggerating. This isn't scary. And then the last half of the movie is mostly just us screaming. It's a lot of fun. Another, uh, I mean, it's not Indonesian, it's Korean. But uh, another film that I like a lot that has a very similar pace is um, Tale of Two Sisters. We need to cover that at some point. Yeah, it's it's one of my favorites. Uh, the first half is really kind of slow, and then it really like picks up pace in the last half. It's got a great twist, too. This movie has a twist, but I kind of saw it coming from pretty much the beginning. The man who wrote this movie, Joko Anwar, he directed a movie called Empedagore, I think that's how you pronounce it, that was nominated for Best Foreign Film I can't remember when. It's fairly recently because I think Queen of Black Magic came out after it. If you like this movie, I highly recommend that one. I think comparing them, although I think Queen of Black Magic has better scares, I think Empedagore has a much better story. But we'll probably at some point cover that film too because I really like that film Yeah, I think you told me about that movie around the same time that you had mentioned this one when you watched it the first time. And I just looked and it's got uh, the same guy that plays the dad is in both movies. Yeah, there's a a couple people, there's a couple actors in this movie that are also in um, Empedagore. I think Empedagore is also on Shudder. If you want to watch Queen of Black Magic, it is streaming right now on Shudder if you have that. Oh yeah, that uh, both versions, the remake and the new one, are on there for free. The original you can watch on YouTube because that's where I watched it. Oh, I watched it on Shudder. I didn't realize it was on Shudder or else I probably would have just watched it on that. What's the movie about? This movie is about (laughs) generational evil trauma that's just cyclical and how you can't stop it. That's what so many movies are about lately. Yeah, geez, Encanto. Encanto. (laughs) Everything Everywhere All at Once was more generational stuff fucking what's it called i don't know i don't know either it's okay it'll come back to me at some point but there's too many movies that keep doing this oh hereditary was about that and that movie scared the absolute hell out of me which is what i wanted this movie to do but spoilers oh it didn't not even a little bit i'm very brave now i mean it we'll get to an actual number by the end of it but it it's nowhere close to hereditary i know it didn't like terrify you yeah no i went to sleep immediately after i watched this honestly I don't, I don't think the medium is going to terrify you either. I think it all depends on the vibe. Because the vibe of this one, Hereditary is not a fun movie at any point. There are no laughs yeah, in that whole movie. that's true. This one, it was fun. There are characters that I do like, mainly their children, because the adults are just kind of stereotypes of mental illnesses to come back and torture them with that later. But, like, it starts off cute. It's got a nice little family and stuff. There there are light moments, which I think is why I was okay with a lot of this movie. Maybe not so much generational trauma, but I think it definitely has something to say about the effect of trauma and how it like it almost like seeps into the ground of this orphanage and affects everything. Kind of like black magic. I like that. I like ghost stories that are more about energy and making the the like place become evil. 
Yeah, it's like a it's like a curse. Yeah, I think this movie had a lot of good ideas. Yeah, let's let's talk about uh the actual plot of the movie. Okay, let's do it. We open up on Hanif. By the way, I have all our names written down. I'm gonna try really hard to say them correctly. I apologize if I say them like a filthy American. You're forgiven by me. I don't know about the rest of them. But yes, we open on Hanif and his family. Uh, we have Nadia, uh, Sandi, uh, Dina, and Haki. Haki, my sweet little angel baby. He's my favorite character. Nadia is his wife, and then Sandi, Dina, Haki, they are their children. They're driving to the orphanage that Hanif grew up in because the man who essentially raised him, who was the caretaker, Mr. Bondi, is sick. They were invited to, I guess, come to the orphanage to kind of say goodbye. To watch him die. Yeah, essentially. Um, this beginning scene is very fun. The family is very funny. They, at one point, pretend like the kids are adopted. They have a good laugh. Hanif tells his wife that she's beautiful and won't stop staring at her. And then he... They never take your eyes off the road. Hits a deer. But he hits something that we haven't seen yet. So it could be a deer. Yeah, yeah. We'll find out. We'll find out pretty quick because they get out of the car. They look because they're like, we hit something. They see a deer on the side of the road. Riley astutely noticed there's too many flies on that deer for it to be fresh. I'm, I'm great at finding dead bodies. <laughs> and then as they get back in their car, because they just think, okay, that's what we hit. And they drive off. Uh, we pan over to the right side of the road and see that there is a dead child child in the ditch oh no a dead little girl and then we get our title that's not gonna result in anything bad queen of black magic bum, bum. the title sequence made me laugh so hard because it's like a jump scare it's so in your face i don't remember it did i jump uh i don't know did i get jump scared but it just it just happens very fast play back the footage I mean, it's not like he hit something, right? I mean, it felt like he hit something, but it's probably fine, right? It's probably a severed head. I don't know what's gonna happen. Dead before it hit it? It's got a lot of flies on it already. Yeah, there are a lot of flies. That's weird. If he hit something else, is it stuck under the car? Is he gonna bring a severed head to the orphanage? What? Oh no, it's a dead- They killed a little person! Yes, also there's a child. So Hanif and his family, they get to the orphanage. Hanif reconnects with his old friends. We get to meet Maman and Sati. They are the new caretakers of the orphanage since Mr. Bondi is sick. And they were orphans that grew up with Hanif, but never left. And they are married to each other. Aw, cute. But it's because no one else will ever want them because they're both orphans i guess i don't know they make a joke about that later i think they do really love each other but i think there is something also where like maybe we are broken which makes sense for sati because she's she's been through a lot of shit oh she sure has we'll get into that fun twist later yeah the first thing you notice about sati and you don't get the reveal till later is that she has a pretty nasty face burn i didn't notice the first time so that she tries to to hide behind her hair yeah she did a good job because you were like oh something's wrong with her face i was like what do you mean that's just her hair she looks fine and then no her face is pretty fucked up we also meet um two of honey's 
friends from growing up that were invited to come out. Pushover Anton, you could tell he's like the emotional one. His wife, Ava, who is very, very straightforward business lady who doesn't like germs. She's also got no tact. She's kind of rude. Because she's a business lady. She's like, time is money, so I don't need to sugarcoat anything. Getting to the point right away. Yeah, it's not going to make her a lot of friends, though. Which I guess she doesn't care about. But she does care about germs, and she obviously has some form of contamination OCD, which I'm sure will never come back full circle to haunt her. Honey's other friend is named Jeffrey. He is uh, newly married to his wife, Lena. Lena, uh, we will find out later, even though she's skinny as fuck, has an eating disorder. She is afraid that she's gaining weight. Yeah, body dysmorphia does not care about how you actually look. It will trick you and say you're fat, gross, slob, which, you know, not true. There were too many characters. I feel like they could have condensed some of these down and just made them one character. Yeah, a second viewing definitely helps you distinguish them. But yeah, there's a ton of people because we haven't even met everybody yet. They all go into the orphanage. None of the orphans are there. We, well, except two. But we learn the other kids are out on some sort of like field trip. So they're going to be, they got on a bus, they went somewhere. They'll be coming back at some point no orphans here right now, except for Hosby and Ronnie, Rainy, Rainy. I don't think I knew what their names were through the entire thing. They're teens. It's a boy and a girl. Hosby, the boy, immediately starts hitting on Honey's daughter. Rainy is just very creepy. That's her main feature. She just loves to be creepy. And talk about how her mom is going to come back and get her one day. Kinda. I guess it depends on how you define a mom. I loved her, though. She was hilarious. The, like, deadpan voice she has the entire time. Like, this girl did a good job with this character. It's really funny. And really creepy. I think we've met pretty much everybody at this point um, that's in the orphanage currently. Have we met the the dying man? Uh, we're gonna go meet him right now. So, Mr. Bondi, who was their old caretaker, they all go in. The boys go in to see him while the boys are in with him. The wives are outside, like, outside of the room sitting, talking to each other. Just as a quick way to give us some more exposition about who each of them is. So we get a little bit about... Ava's, you know, her germ thing. We get a little bit about how Lena's a newlywed. And we also get foreshadowing, which is Lena's like, I've never heard of Mr. Bondi before. I wonder why. Is it because he's a creepy weirdo? Could be. And the kids are off. Um, They're hanging with the orphans. <laughs> they're hanging with the two orphans. And that's when we get um, Ronnie, who's like, or actually, I think it's I think it's Hospy that's just like talks shit about her and it's like, yeah, her mom left her here when she was ten. She keeps thinking she's coming back. And Ronnie or uh, Rainy is just like, no, nah, she's she no she didn't leave me, and that'll come back around. Yeah, she's she's somewhere. She's she's a busy working woman. It's very good foreshadowing because it really just comes across that Rainy is just not wanting to accept that she's an orphan yeah just a little delusional where she's like oh yeah mom went to the gas station she'll be right back i know it's been 10 years but the gas station's really far away yeah just like the cops two hours oh my god right no wonder her mom never came back be like no the drive is way too long i'll just stay here 
Haki, the youngest of Hanif's children, he sees this green door at the end of the hallway. I can't remember if he hears something or if he's just drawn to it, but he goes towards the door. Rainy comes up behind him, tells him the ghost story of the orphanage and about what's really behind the door. I think I asked this when we watched the movie, but I just looked it up. And apparently green is a forbidden color in Indonesian and some other like Southeast Asian uh, and Middle Eastern cultures. Interesting. Which is sad. Green's my favorite color. So the story is Miss Mira, who was another caretaker, along with Mr. Bondi. There was a orphan girl named Myrnie, who was very much attached to, to Mira. And then one day, they went out together, and Mira came back by herself and said that demons had stole Myrny away. They ended up locking locking her in that green room while they tried to find Myrny. She tried so hard to get out that she banged her head against the door until her head cracked open and she died. Wow, that sounds like quite a story. I wonder if it's made up. Nope, it's right. That's, yep. Okay, sure. So, creepy story. I do like the way this story evolves. The more you get more information, it evolves two more times. We get one more version of it, and then we get the real version of it. Yeah, I do like that. I like all the the different elements they have in it, because it all eventually adds up to what actually did happen. Now it's time to go hang out with Mr. Bondi, so everybody just hangs out in this dying man's room, uh, I guess to keep him company. The second I saw this man, I said, I don't trust him. Something is going on with this creepy dying man. Yeah. Was I right? Who's to say? We'll find out. Uh, They do find a photo album. They can't see any of the pictures. I couldn't quite understand what that was. They were all backward, which doesn't make sense if they were all... Well, I guess if there are two Polaroids in each sleeve and they're both turned away, it makes sense. But however they have them in the photo album, you can't see the front of the photos. Yeah, but the most important thing to come out of this photo album, there's a picture of Miss Mira in there. Three adult orphan boys, they get real uncomfortable real fast when they find that picture, so I'm sure there's no reason for that. I'm sure they never did anything nefarious in their entire lives, and there's no reason they should feel guilty and weird right now. There's lots of secrets. The three uh, orphan guys, they discuss what they're worried about is going to happen to the orphanage because they're like, if Mr. Bondi dies, his kids are going to get it. And then what is the likelihood they're going to keep it open as an orphanage, not just tear it down? And then a very telling line, which is, what will they uncover if they tear this place down, though? You know what? Yeah, these boys are definitely keeping something secret. Quit being coy. You know what they're going to uncover. I mean, what could they uncover besides a body if they're being so shadowy about that? It's a body. And maybe a witch. And maybe something else. But they can probably take the something else with them. After they have the conversation about what's going to happen if they tear this place down, what will they find? Hanif looks at his car and is like, oh my god, there's like blood and hair and like cloth, like from a shirt, uh, in my, uh, fender? That's what it's called, right? Who do you think I am? I don't know. Oh, it was in, in between where like the hood of his car- It's like his front bumper, yeah. 
Yeah, and the bumper is. Uh, so he's like, oh my god, I don't think I hit a deer. So he grabs his newlywed friend, Jeffrey. They tell Anton to stay there. They're going to go check it out. The two boys are off. Uh, they're going to go figure out uh, what he hit. And what what did they hit? Oh, yeah, they find a dead girl on the side of the oh road. Oh, my gosh. Whoops. Do you guys want to go see a dead body? I was watching Stand By Me in the middle of watching this movie. I turned it off to watch this movie, and I still have to finish it. So I don't know if they ever see the dead body or not. I'm going to say yes. I've read the, the short story. I'm pretty sure they see oh. the dead body. <laughs> right when you think the worst thing that they could find is this poor dead child that Honey hit with his car. <gasps> What's worse Um, than one dead child? A bus fool. Hanif kind of looks off and notices, oh fuck, and the camera pans over. I love this shot. It's great. It's so chilling. The bus is just like crashed on the side of the road, but deep enough into the vegetation that you wouldn't notice it right away. And they realize right away, this is the orphanage bus, isn't it? Oh, and when they get on, they're just, yeah, yeah, every seat is full of a dead orphan. There's so many dead children on this bus. Oh, man. It looks like their eyeballs have been melted. Yeah, it's fucked up. These kids look disgusting. Like, it doesn't look like they died from a bus crash. It looks like someone came in and mutilated them. And they can't even call the cops. Because they have no cell reception. So they're like, okay, we'll go back to the orphanage and we'll call. And immediately the movie cuts to the orphanage. So I can't remember who it has. Someone has the phone. They're like, there's no signal. And I'm like, oh, of course. Oh, I know that. Yeah. Um, Haki asks the, I don't remember what her name is already. Did you say Ronnie? It's R-A-N-I. So I assume it's like Ronnie or Rainy. Rainy, Rainy. He asked the the orphan girl, like, if she has a cell phone. And she's like, cell phones don't work out here. So, yeah, they're fucked. And then they're like, well, the the police are two hours away anyway, so it's not going to do much good if we call them. Yeah, it's not great. Plus, you look like a fucking weirdo if you're like, oh, I just happened to find this bus full of mutilated children. Like, okay, sure you did. They're having dinner back at the orphanage. Anton, his wife, Ava, uh, Lena, and Honey's wife, Nadia. They're all eating together. And this is where we learn, we really learn about Ava's germ of, she's hyper clean because she had what she thought was a flesh-eating bacteria, uh, but was actually just dry skin, a rash from her having dry skin, um, which Anton mocks her about. And then Lena is like, I'm not going to eat dinner. Uh, I'm going to skip. And Ava's just like, just fucking eat. Who gives a fuck? You're not fat. Not at all. And Anton's like, yeah, you look great. Oh, he says, your body looks good. And then she's like, why the fuck would you say that? Like, he was trying to be helpful. He was trying to be nice. He was trying. He wasn't, like, hitting on her. He was just like, you look fine. But commenting on someone's body either way is inappropriate, so I also see why she was mad. Yes, agreed. The new caretakers, Maman and Satie, they're in the back doing dishes, and they kind of have a little bit of a chit-chat about how they're married. She's like, this is the only reason you married me was because uh, I'm, like, sad and pathetic. Because no one else wants us. No one else would marry us. And then they kind of look at each other and laugh. And then, and then, sweet baby angel Haki comes back. 
he he talks to them a little bit, but then he looks at Satine and is like, you're pretty. And he gives her a kiss, and he tells Maman that he's handsome, and then he runs away. It's very sweet. And you know what I appreciate? Haki is a little sweet baby angel face, and he like gives her a little little kiss on the cheek, but it's on the side of her face that, that's all burned. I was like, that's, that's a sweet boy. And it's right after, because he comes back, and I, I think he just kind of asks her, like, what's wrong with your face? <laughs> and she was like, I, I spilled boiling water on myself as a child. It was an accident. Uh, turns out it wasn't. We'll find that out later. What? But then he's just like, I think you're still pretty, even with a burn. Kiss. Goodbye. Aww. He's just the sweetest. I love He's him. He's my favorite character. He's so nice. Yeah, and then uh, Haki gets to hang out with the creepy orphan some more. Uh, she shows him a VHS tape, like home videos from when his dad was at the orphanage. And he gets to see Miss Mira for the first time. She's creepy as fuck. Yeah, I feel bad. But, I mean, she's got that, like, club foot, basically. And she's just kind of hobbling at us. And it, it's a freaky video. Ronnie immediately stops it and it's just like, this is going to give you nightmares. I don't think they should watch the rest. I don't know what's going to manifest if they watch the rest. Uh, Hanif and Jeffrey get back to the orphanage from finding the busload of dead kids. And Anton comes out and he's like, where have you guys been? You missed dinner. And they're like, you should look in the trunk. They're like, I've got a dead body in the car. The little girl that they, that Hanif hit on his way there and killed, they just put her in the back of the car. And he's like, what the fuck? And they're like, yeah, we found a whole bus full of these dead fuckers. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, and he's like, fine, I'm gonna go look to confirm and then we'll figure out, like, uh, that I, then I can go from there and call the cops. I don't understand why he's like, you need to prove or I need to have proof that there are more dead children somewhere. Like, why would you volunteer to go off on your own to find a bus full of dead kids? It would make much more sense if they hadn't brought the dead girl back. Like, he'd probably be like, you guys are fucking with me. I gotta go confirm. No, there's a dead body right yeah. there. What more do you yeah. want? I do like that they're like, take my car. And he's like, I'm not fucking taking the car with a dead body. And no, this is your mess. Honestly, the smartest decision, the only smart decision that he made, honestly. It's so funny. I, I didn't know what his name was at first, so I just wrote nice man. He was the short one. A short king. The kids go into the pool room. The orphans show them the pool room. And they talk about how it's haunted. <gasps> Ooh. Oh, no. And creepy girl's creepy about it. She's creepy about everything. She's very consistent. Uh, she's like the Indonesian version of Wednesday Adams. Yeah. Very similar vibes. I trust Wednesday a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, a little more. Anton makes it to mile marker 81, which is where they say the bus is. And he finds the bus. And so just being like, cool, the bus is here. I should go to the cops. He's like, let me get on the bus and double check and make sure these kids are dead. <laughs> He's going to take each and every one of their pulses just to make sure. Very upsetting because when he walks on the bus, uh, the kids are not in the same position that we saw them last. They are all standing up and turned away from the door. This was a good scare. I liked it. It's so good. The bus scene in general, it's good. It's fucking crazy. I think he tries to 
leave, but he's locked on the bus. He turns away to, to leave because he's like, fuck this. And the door shuts and he can't get out. And when he turns back around, all the kids are facing forward. Ugh. And they're all still dead. And that's when he steps on this egg. And inside the egg are lots of little creepy crawlies that then proceed to crawl up him and then into his face and out of his eyeballs. Are all the dead children going to come back to life? Oh, shit. No. Well, maybe. What's happening? Oh, shit, what's yeah, that? that's right. Oh, no, they're facing the other way now. Oh, <laughs> oh shit. Oh, this dude's yeah. dead. Oh, fuck, what is that? Oh, uh, whoa, his eyeball fell out. Why did that happen? Oh. You know, that doesn't make me feel better about finding that centipede. R.I.P. Anton. I don't like bugs. I found a centipede in my bathroom a few nights ago, and it was one of the most terrifying things that ever happened. I almost blacked out when I tried to kill it. And then they showed me a bunch of these fuckers. I don't What are they? What are they called? Are they millipedes? Yeah, millipedes. They're yeah. gross. I hate them. I hate them too. I don't want them in my eyeballs. Yeah, no, preferably not. <laughs> Yeah, so this is the point where the movie really starts ramping up. Because up to this point, it's been pretty just kind of calm and peaceful. Yeah, it's just been me hanging out with the characters. But now they're like, the characters are going to get eaten by bugs. I hope you're ready. It's like this movie is a tsunami. And the fact that, like, the first half of the movie, you're just kind of sitting going, I wonder where all the water went. <laughs> and nothing happens. And then the tidal wave comes. And fucking drowns you. We cut back to the orphanage, and the biggest sign that the evil has arrived at the orphanage is you get the shot of the sink with the water running. It turns red, <sighs> red like blood, and then it turns black. And so you're like, ah, evil time. If you see a black liquid in a horror film, that's when you know. Usually people are vomiting that shit up, but I guess the sink wanted a turn. And then a bird immediately drops down the table right by um Hanif and Nadia. Is that what it was? Yeah, it was definitely a bird. I thought it was a head or like a squid, but with human hair. I think it was a decapitated bird. <gasps> okay, that makes more sense. Because it did not look like a full yeah, bird. Yeah, there was a lot of blood. Did we ever circle back to that? Or were they just like, oh, there's dead birds in the rafters? From here on, everything else starts happening so fast. I don't think they really have a moment to really kind of contemplate it. They're just more confused. You know what? That's true. Because the next fucked up thing that happens is very fucked up. Jeff, the newlywed orphan, and his wife, Lena, they are in like his old room. She tries to come on to him. And because his, you know, dying father figure is like next door, he's like, I, I can't, I don't want to have sex with you right now. She's like, it's because I'm fat. It's because the hormones, I'm gaining weight. I'm so upset. She leaves the room, is almost immediately like possessed by this evil force that has kind of settled down onto the orphanage. I just assumed that once she looked into the mirror, that's when she was fucked. She goes and starts eating an apple very aggressively with a knife and then looks over and sees her reflection in the mirror. And it is not how she actually looks. She's got all these like rolls and stuff that she does not have in real life. She's as skinny as a stick. The effect they do with the mirror is cool to make her look 
different in the yeah. mirror. Because I had to keep looking back and forth. I was like, she she's not chubby, right? Because they added just enough that it almost looked like she had like a little little poof, but nothing like too drastic. Yeah, just enough to chop off with the knife you happen to have in your pocket. Yeah, she takes Thank the God. knife and she peels off that fat and she's looking in the mirror while she's doing it and it's coming off so easy. There's even skin underneath. She's very happy about it. Why do people get liposuction when they could just chop off all their fat? with the knife in their pocket. She chops off part of her tummy and then she gets rid of her double chin and then the camera moves and reveals what she really looks like, which is she's been, you know, cutting into her own flesh. So, uh, yeah. So she doesn't look great. The reality of that hits pretty quick. Yeah, once she's like, oh my god, why am I covered in all this blood? Oh yeah, it's because I cut into my own flesh. Duh. At the same time this is happening... Anton's wife, uh, Ava, she is in uh, their room. She's doing work. Bugs drop from the <gasps> ceiling. They go right up her tank top. Yeah, they go like, they zip her into her tank top. She's freaked out. She can kind of feel them. They are like crawling like, around. Take your shirt off if you're trying to find the bugs. She's just kind of patting herself down. And then they go in her mouth. So that's also gross. Stumbles outside of her room at the same time that Lena is waking up from her uh, homemade plastic surgery. And uh, at the same time, Jeff comes out and sees her and is horrified, starts screaming. Hanif and Nadia come out because they hear screaming. Uh, They're like, oh my god, what the fuck? Fucking Ava starts screaming, so they turn around, look at Ava, and she's got all these bugs. She vomits up a bunch of bugs, bloody bugs. And then she holds out her arms and you can see the bugs crawling in her skin. And then she takes her hand and rips her forearm out. Like the flesh of her forearm. And they crawl out. Oh, God. And then they're like, you know what? We got to get these ladies to the hospital. Leave the kids. And they just leave their kid in this haunted orphanage. They've got Satie and uh, Maman. I guess, but they didn't even like give them a warning. Are they there during this scene? Do they even know this is happening? No, they're still in the game room. Okay, I was about to say, there's no way that they were there. They should leave. They should just, on foot, just start getting the fuck out of there. They get in the car, and yeah, they do for a second. They're like, oh, what about the kids? They're like, it's it's fine. They'll be fine. Uh, they're safe there. I don't know. It's too much happening in this place to be a coincidence. I'd be like, no, we all need to leave. There's a demon in this house. Because I was fine when I was at home, but now people are ripping their skin off. Nobody saw Lena cutting herself, so it does kind of just look like she was attacked. Right. So what if they think actually, like, there could be a murderer in the orphanage and they left their kids with them? This woman is deeply unstable already, and when Jeff saw her, he was just like, yeah, this has been a long time coming. Yeah, so they leave the kids. Uh, at the same time, all the craziness is happening. The kids are in the pool room playing pool um uh the the orphan boy and um dina they're getting close and then uh orphan boy gets a little too intense he's like let me show you my gun has anyone any woman ever found that sexy he's like let me shoot a rat with my bb gun like you're not impressing anyone you're freaking everybody out hucky and uh creepy girl are at the TV again. Yeah, I think they went back to the TV. But yeah, it's not it's not good. Um he gets very mad at Dina for having parents and having money. And he says that the gun is for rats. Um, which there is a rat, but not great. And then, you know, uh, kudos to 
to Dina because she does not put up with it. She tells him to put the fucking gun away and then she leaves and he calls her a slut as she leaves. Turns out he wasn't a nice boy after all. Yeah, not not very nice. And then we cut back to the adults who have discovered that they are just driving in circles. That every time they get past mile marker 81, uh, they get like pushed back and they pass it again. Yeah, it's great. They're in the Blair Witch Project. It's actually a crossover movie. And then we get the real story. Well, up to this point, what we think is the real story about uh, Miss Mira. And that is that she was practicing black magic and she burned three girls alive as a sacrifice for one of her rituals. And so the boys at first tried to escape the orphanage, but the same thing happened where they just kept like getting pushed back to where they started from. Um, so they locked her in a room and she still like beat her head against it. Uh, until her head cracked open, she died, and then the boys buried her in the room and covered her with cement. Jesus. It's it's a pretty intense scene. I forgot that that's when we get this, because one of the guys is like, oh, it's happening again. The uh, Nadia is like, hey, can someone fill me in? What's happening again? As they're telling the story, you're getting flashbacks, oh, and the most up. notable thing about the flashback is that they say that she was dead she didn't look dead when she cracked her skull uh she's definitely not dead so they definitely buried her alive like i don't think she definitely looked like she had some serious brain damage she looked a lot like how she looks when we see her later in the absolute scariest part of the movie her eyes are like glazed over it fucking nadia is like fuck you guys and she immediately turns around she's like i'm going back to the fucking orphanage this is fucked you know what the best part of the car scene is is that nadia has no idea that there's a dead body in her trunk this whole time none of them know i do also like so the reason they gave for them like killing this woman is that she was doing black magic the original movie that's the big thing is there they lied about her and her daughter doing black magic So I guess that part still connects. I don't know if it was as much a lie in this one, though. The reasoning behind it is different. She did not set those girls on fire to... She did not set those girls on fire. Yeah, I mean, still don't resort to black magic for most things, but maybe she had a reason. Yeah, we cut back to uh, orphan boy Hospi, who is uh, still trying to shoot the rat. And then uh, he gets possessed and staples his own mouth shut. So that's fun. This part was kind of funny. Like, most things in this movie are scary, but this part just seems so ridiculous. Yeah, he just can't control his own hand, and it staples his mouth shut. Most of the effects are really good, but I don't think this one was. Oh, I liked it. It was fun. Compared to most everything in the movie, though, like, it was definitely very low on the list. Compared to the next scene, which is the scariest scene in the movie... Which is Haki puts the tape back in and starts watching it. This scene is so well done. The tape flips over from not being recorded but to being live, and Haki doesn't notice. And the tape is of Miss Mira walking down the hall, dragging her leg behind her, and you can hear it. And it's so creepy. He gets so creeped out when she gets too close that he shuts the TV off. And then she's in the reflection. He turns around. She's not there. But then when he looks back, he's looking at the floor and he looks at where the like the TV stand is and he sees feet underneath it. Hands up. 
goddamn fucking Miss Mira is just crouched over the TV, and it is the scariest image Poor you'll ever mine. see. It's so creepy. It's so good. It it is. It's a really effective scare. Oh no! Why are we going over here? What's happening over here? Oh, oh no! Shit. Okay. Yep. This is the absolute scariest part so far. Jesus Christ! Oh no! <gasps> oh no! Oh shit! Nope. No. Mm-mm. Nope. 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 No. Mm-mm. No. Fuck that. No. No. <gasps> Jesus. That motherfucker. Were the villain, like, throughout the movie and I had to keep looking at her? I would have shit myself. She's scary. My question is, do you think Miss Mira was trying to scare scare him to get out of the orphanage because she doesn't actually hurt anybody in the movie like it's you find out it's her her daughter that's that's one of the twists that her daughter watched her being murdered and so uh became a black magic priestess vengeance demon but she herself doesn't hurt any kids or hurt anyone so do you think she was trying to scare him into leaving so that he could escape? What I kind of assumed is that she's just a puppet that... Like a projection, yeah. Yeah, that is being used to freak the kids out. Oh, that's true. I, I do think that hypothetically, if this was actually her ghost or spirit, then yes, I think that would make sense because that is what she tried to do when she was alive, is protect these kids from something that we're going to talk about. But I, I don't necessarily think that it was her. I think it was the the witch trying to freak him out. Yeah. It does make me question the very, very end of the movie, though. Okay. Because the very end of the movie, we get a shot of that door, and we hear her in the, still in the orphanage. We hear her foot being dragged. Hmm, that's a good point. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that when it comes up. Uh, yeah, so it's terrifying. The scene that I just wrote down. Ah! I wrote down a witch. That was all I could bother to write down because I was screaming. Yeah, so Haki gets up and he runs into the pool room where Hospi is with his stapled mouth. And he still has the gun. He is definitely possessed. He's trying to fight it, but he shoots Haki twice. He shoots him. And I think it's, I think it's an airsoft gun. It's not like a... Uh, it still does damage, but it's not anything like yeah, a... Yeah, if you're close enough, you will start bleeding. But yeah, it's not like a shotgun or anything. Yeah, so he shoots him in the leg, and then he shoots him in the shoulder or the arm. I can't remember. I think it's the arm. Um, and then he almost shoots him in the head, but he's able to turn the gun away at the last moment. So yeah, it's it's very intense. The parents get back from their uh, circular logic drive. And they're looking for Haki because they don't know where he is because they're like, we need to get everybody and get out of here. That's when um I think Hanif like, looks at his wife and is like, yeah, we, we found a bus full of dead kids. Uh, I should t- let you know about that. <laughs> well, like, oh, okay. Scene. Yeah, all the children are dead. Like the way that it, it read in the subtitles was very blunt like that. Yeah. We need to, to get out of here. I'm not sugarcoating anything. But I've still failed to tell you about the dead body in our car. It's fine. You'll see it eventually. So everyone's looking for Haki. Jeffrey is like, I need to take my wife to the... Where's everybody going? Like, everybody runs off to look for Haki. And he looks in the car and is like, where the fuck is my wife? And then he sees her sitting in the field. He's like, hey, 
uh, Lena, what are you doing? And she turns around and she's got a handful of caterpillars. Gross caterpillars, fuzzy caterpillars that she's just munching. Jeffrey's like, those are poisonous. She's like, oh god, they are! But she finally found a low-calorie snack. Let her eat something. Jesus. Everyone at this point has split up. Nadia's still inside. She hears something coming from Mr. Bondi's room. She goes there. She sees the witch sitting on the bed or actually i think it might be mira because it's very fast you see kind of like a shadow and it goes under the bed yeah i didn't even catch it yeah it's really fast because she was being led there spoilers i love a ghost that like puts you in this sort of like scavenger hunt i love the scavenger hunt it's like Bly when rebecca was like here find this picture of me because i'm cute so why wouldn't you want it ghost wants to show nadia uh mr bondi's super secret stash uh so under the floor is a box full of photos and what are those photos i wrote it down nadia found child porn that was my favorite note that i had to take on this movie i knew that this fucking weirdo was up to something and i should have known because he was in a house full of young girls that that's what it was going to be I just don't want to think about little girls getting molested. So it didn't pop into my mind until uh, way later. It's crazy. She starts looking through the photos. She finds one of Satie, who is the caretaker who has the burn on her face. Luckily, they didn't didn't make them too gross for the viewing public. It's sad. It's like little girls on a bed. They're dressed, but you get you get the meaning. Uh, but the picture with Satie, uh, it's Mr. Bondi got himself in the mirror. Oh, this stupid motherfucker. I, yeah, said out loud when we watched it that if you're going to take pictures and molest girls, make sure you're not in the fucking picture. What a dumbass. But also, good, if you are a weirdo, please self-incriminate so that people don't have to do too much work to put you in prison forever. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's upsetting. Oh, and you know how there was that dead body in the back of, uh, Hanif's car? Yeah, I, I've heard. Uh, she's not dead. What? <laughs> she- What do you mean? You just see her hand, like, reach up, so you know she's alive. We don't see her yet. Oh my god, there's so much. I put, a lot is happening! <laughs> that's the thing, is, like, hardly anything happens, and then you get so much information at once- it was a lot to keep track of. Uh, Jeffrey and Lena go inside, shares pictures with. Oh, so they all pass around the porn. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To be like, look, your, your fucking father figure is, you know, a fucking child molester. And you can tell by the husband's reactions that they had no idea. Which is good. Crushed by it, yeah. Yeah. Good that they didn't help with whatever this man had been up to this entire time. But they also, I think Nadia is the one who's like, who invited us all here? Yep. We get this little uh, seed planted that, oh no, did Maman and Sati plan this? Because she was in one of the photos and they confront them about it and no... That, nope, that's not at all what happened. Yeah, um, and Satie tells her story. She did not burn herself on accident. She burned herself on purpose because she was being molested and thought, if I'm not pretty, he'll stop touching me, which is so fucking sad. Yeah, also not a great plan because disabled children get molested at a much higher rate. But in a child's mind, I, I see where she was coming from. But that that's so fucking sad. What a piece of shit monster. And it sucks that she was like, well, now I'm just stuck here with him forever. Yeah. And speaking of fucking sad, uh, the dead girl runs in. Not dead. 
she's pretty beat up. She explains her story and about what happened on the bus, which is she had her headphones on. She was listening to some music and then the bus crashed. Um, and then all of her friends, everyone she knows in the world, pretty much, uh, all became possessed and started to bang their heads against like the windows and the seats until they died. That was a very intense scene. A bus full of children bashing in their own heads until they die. What kind of weirdo made this movie? You know what's even more intense? This little girl escapes, gets off the bus, runs to the road, and then immediately gets hit by Honey's car. Which really sucks because what bad timing do you have to have when there's no other car on the entire road? You've run headfirst into this one? Fuck. This girl's got terrible luck. You don't think it can get any crazier? And then they find a photo in the creep stash of Miss Mira holding a baby. And on the back of it is written Mirni, which is the little girl who disappeared. The orphan girl who disappeared. So you realize, oh my god, Miss Mira had a baby. And that baby was Mirni, who was Hanif and the orphan kid's friend. Oh no, and do you know who the dad probably was, which you pointed out when we watched it? It's probably Mr. Bondi, I assume. I mean, fuck. This dude sucks. Also, I don't know why this came as such a surprise to me, but I wasn't expecting the, like, missing girl to end up being the witch, the queen. I I don't I don't know what the I The queen! Thought. It makes sense. I think it works for the movie. Probably because they... They focus so much on Mira that it's kind of like a mystery. Yeah, that I and plus once I saw her after the TV scare, I was like, "There's no way that that's not the villain." But turns out, yeah, she's terrifying. Yeah, because I was really afraid I was going to have to see her again. The supposed dead girl tells her story, and then at that moment, Hospi runs out. He is holding Haki, who we shot a bunch, and it's like, "I'm sorry." And so they take him. Like, we gotta get the fuck out of here. They all run outside, and then Anton's wife, Ava, is on top of the car, clearly possessed, and that just starts hitting her head against the windshield until she dies. Does she die? I don't think she dies right here. Unless she just knocked herself out. Is she tortured later? I can't remember. Is she part of the tortured crew? Yeah, I think she's in, because we have a bunch of torture rooms in a minute, and I'm pretty sure she's in one of the rooms. Because you see her with her her forehead with, like, the big wound on it from smashing her head into the windshield. And then they look out in the field and, oh, there's a witch. The queen of black magic has shown up, Mirni, and she kind of floats over to them, which is creepy as fuck. Did you notice, so in the original movie, they have a line where they're like, oh, she's not a ghost because she was walking on the ground. Her feet weren't floating. But this lady can fly. Is she dead or is she, what is she? She, She's the queen of black magic. Okay. Has she transcended? Is she living somewhere between life and death? I think so. Nice. Hell yeah. Mirni immediately tries to kill um, Hanif. And when Nadia, uh, like she, she I think someone had a knife. I don't know. She picks up a knife or something to like attack, to attack. You know, Mirni, who's trying to kill her husband. Nadia gets bonked on the head by the creepy orphan girl. And then the screen cuts. Oh, yeah. This motherfucker was in on it. That's why she was so creepy. She's like, Mama has come home. Oh, my God. You know what was cool, too, is that the witch, the queen, yeah. Mirni, 
She's a Jedi, also. She's got fucking force grit powers. She was just gonna choke out honey. She's very powerful. She is just, like, overflowing with black magic. She looks so stupid, though. I wish they would have designed her character better. But I guess they made her look human, which is what essentially she is. (sighs) Is she, though? She could have been scarier. I mean, there's that moment where she, uh reattaches something what there's that yes nadia wakes up by herself she hears screaming she runs around the orphanage and like in every room there's just like a torture room so there's some of the people from the orphanage uh there's like a hot water room there's a room where they're vomiting up bugs <laughs> my note for this part is just Mirny's kind of mean yeah she's just torturing them she's torturing everyone that's still left alive Nadia's unable to like get in there to save them and ends up in the green room where Mirny has set up her like ritual uh Mr. Bondi's in there um Hanif is in there is Jeff in there too it's like all the boys who were involved, but Anton's already dead. Um, no, I don't think Jeff is being tortured in a separate room. Oh, weird. I'm pretty sure. Well, he might be in there. I don't know. He doesn't do anything. Jeff's hand's broken. Oh, yeah, yeah, Oh, bug back. Yeah, that's, uh, um, Ava. She's got the creepy, like, bug back. Yeah, that was a cool effect, actually. I like that yeah, a lot. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, because Jeff's in the room with her getting his hands broken. Why have we shifted all of this focus onto Nadia like why is she the one who has somehow became become the main character right now I mean I guess if I were to look at the curse I feel like the one person who could break it would probably be another female given that this is built on like female sexual trauma okay that makes sense I don't know. I wish they would have just done a little bit more with this character so it made sense. Oh, and because she's the only one that's a mother. Oh, okay. That could have been a little clearer, but I I will accept that. That would be my guess. She also, doesn't the witch give Nadia a weapon? She does. Do we get, did we already get the real story? No, because Mirny gives us the real story, right? About her mom and what really happened. Yeah, I think she probably does right now. The real story is that Miss Mira knew that Bondi was molesting these little girls. She couldn't stop him. And he got to a point where he wanted to put fear in the other girls so that they wouldn't speak out. And so he burned three of the girls as like a fucking mob boss to be like, shut your mouth or I'm going to fucking set you on fire. Mira was like, I quite literally can't even stop him from murdering these girls. So I'm going to turn to black magic and try to stop him. But she was not successful. And uh, Mr. Bondi pretty much got the boys to go and murder her and bury her alive. Yeah, they got manipulated too. They thought they were doing something good, but turns out they were just enabling his weird, creepy molestation of these girls. Also, I know the police are two hours away and that is a long time, (laughs) but did black magic really have to be your go-to? To be fair, do you think the police would have believed her? No, but she could have tried. As a disabled uh, woman. Probably not. No, and it seems so easy. Well, she might have tried. We don't know that. That's it true. seemed like a quite literally like a last resort. The way it was framed, it seemed like a first resort. How many girls are at this orphanage that he was just willing to give up three girls? Did you see how many pictures he had in that fucking box? You know, that's true. 
Apparently there's just a never-ending supply of orphans. And if that album had also, like, disguised pictures in there? Fuck. Yeah, a lot. This dude's a menace. Yeah. I don't know if I necessarily agree with Murni's reasoning, but I understand that she is someone who has undergone trauma that was probably molested by her father and then watched her mother murdered in front of her. Her reasoning is essentially, I am torturing everybody because I don't know if there's a hell. And so I want to make sure there is some sort of retribution in case there's nothing in the afterlife, Uh, which is kind of girl boss, like fucked up. But kind of girl boss. I like her gusto, but I I do think her reasoning is a little flawed. And I think... She's a tragic victim who has become a evil queen of black magic. Yeah, I don't think she's necessarily torturing the right people. But they were involved, even though they didn't know, in murdering her mom in cold blood. They could have left the wives out of it. They didn't know. And even Nadia was like, I I didn't know about this. And she was like, yeah, that's why I'm torturing you. Mirani doesn't give a fuck. She's like, I just want to torture everybody. She's like, you should have just assumed I had been molested. And that's why I'm torturing you too, because you didn't assume that. Her reasoning is not sound. And I think that's kind of supposed to be the point is that she's so fucked up by this thing that happened to her when she was young that she cannot see reason also she's like got all this evil magic in her oh that's true probably hard to see clearly so it's like a combination of a little bit of everything yeah ptsd makes you do crazy stuff so i get it she's at least willing to give nadia a chance she's like i'll let your family go uh here's a uh what what are those called the round knives like a scythe a scythe yes thank you she gives um nadia a scythe and's like i'll let your family and your kids go you just gotta kill your husband oh yeah do it cut off his head she gets very close but right at that moment sweet baby angel um haki comes up behind mirni and stabs her and distracts her and then nadia cuts off mirni's head oh man but it's okay because it reattaches I didn't know heads did that. Oh god, oh no, I don't want to look. Okay, I'm gonna make myself look. Oh shit! Oh, okay, huh? Oh, it's Haki! Oh fuck, oh Jesus! I might be watching this through my fingers. Oh fuck, okay. What? Uh, hello? Oh my god, she's still walking! Girl, where are you going? Oh god, okay. One thing I will say in Hereditary's favor is that doesn't happen! God, should I learn black magic? No! Is that what you think? It's so funny, her like decapitated body trying to find her head and then she just kind of squishes it and twists it on her her neck. I think I would have been way more freaked out by this scene if her body hadn't been like Frankenstein moving to try and get her head. Try to get it, yeah. Pretty funny. There was a part, though, that I may have yelled when her head got cut off and it was just on the ground, but yeah. then still like yelling and snarling yeah. at me. It was, that was pretty scary. <laughs> yes, it's it's very, Um, I think the best way I've, I, I saw someone describe it as very evil dead. And I was like, oh, yeah. It's very evil dead, this scene. I should rewatch that at some point. Yeah, and and then Nadia takes a candle and throws it at her, and she uh, catches on fire, and uh, yeah. 
after all of that, she seemed a little too easy to defeat. I think the reason it worked was because those were her ritual candles, and so they are also filled with black magic. So I think it's her own magic kind of coming back on her and destroying her. Okay, that makes sense. Oh, also, I guess we should say... Oh, wait, no, we did already say, right, that the the creepy orphan girl is actually... um, uh, Mirni's daughter. Oh, we heavily implied it. Okay. But yeah, if you need yeah. it spelled yeah, out. Yeah, straight up, yeah. Her mom came She was back. helping her mom. It was the black magic demon lady. Oh, God. Is she a rape baby too? Mirni left for a while, so she's probably just like oh, a one-night fling kind of. Oh, yeah. And more importantly, um, they're all leaving the room, and Mr. Bondi's in there, and Hanif is shutting the door, and he's like, no, fuck you, you stupid, gross rapist. Goodbye. And shuts them in and they both burn to death. Yeah, it's great. It is great. Fuck that dude. Yeah, everyone gets out and then we cut forward in time. Uh, Nadia and Sati are picking up Haki from school. And everything seems to be like okay. Uh, it seems like Sati and Maman have moved in with Hanif and his family. And you think everything is fine and dandy. But then uh, Nadia sees something in her car mirror. Definitely looks like Mirni. Oh no. And when she steps outside, it's gone. So I don't think Mirni is really gone. I don't know. I can't decide because this also just seems like it could be a PTSD thing where now she has to relive this experience and is like seeing things. Or they could be setting up a sequel. I don't know. I do wonder if that wasn't Mirni and that was actually um, Rani or Rainy, her daughter. Because it definitely looks like her, but we don't see it close enough that there is a chance that... Because we don't know what happens to her daughter. That's a good point. I never put that together. And if it is supposed to be about, like, this evil that just keeps, like, getting passed on, that would track. I like that. I will accept that theory. I think it's really good. And I think there is potential for a sequel. If they want to do something, it would be a good idea to focus on her as the villain since we just saw everything that played out. Ultimately, the movie ends on the orphanage. We see Mr. Bondi's kids that are, they're, they're like inspecting it. I think they're, they're keeping it open as an orphanage. They just have to do like some renovations because, you know, part of it burned down. And the very last thing we get is we're inside of the orphanage and we're looking at that green door and that's where you hear Mira's foot like scraping on the ground, dragging on the ground, and then it ends. Oh no. Is Mira trapped there? Is she an evil spirit? Is it the black magic that is gonna force her to be stuck there forever? Because she like stained herself onto this like ha- this orphanage? I don't know. I know they should not open back up. Or is she gone? But now her mom is like, well, you did all of that, but you forgot to, like, free me from this hell limbo place I've been living in. Yeah. And maybe the granddaughter is going to come back. I I don't know either. I kind of want there to be a sequel now. I think it's got a lot of potential. Yeah, I think it could be interesting. But yeah, I like this movie. I think the, the crazy pace actually really works for me. Uh, I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, it is definitely like a roller coaster, um, which is what I think some horror movies should be. You should have a lot of fun watching them. And I had a blast watching this. Also, like some of the effects, especially like when she gets decapitated at the end, like will make you scream laugh. Oh my God. Yeah. It was good fun. When it wants to be scary though, it is really scary. Oh my God, no, really scary. But thankfully it only wants to be really scary a couple of times. 
Let's start with general rating. Uh, one to five. How'd you like the movie? Okay, one to five. I'm gonna give this a three point five stars. I liked it. It was fun. I think it's got some really good effects. I think the storytelling is done pretty well, especially with the amount of things that they're telling you. I think the acting was good. I think the lighting was really cool. Like inside of the orphanage, it almost looks like it's like either natural lighting or like candle lit at points. Also, fuck yeah, kill your rapist. Fuck that dude. I do think the pacing is all over, but I think it works for this. The only big complaints I have is that there just wasn't enough character building. Like, the wives don't really have any personality apart from these mental illnesses that they use against them when they kill and torture them. But yeah, it was fun. It was a good adaptation of the original super cheesy movie. I think they they took a lot of the good parts from that and made them work in a newer story. What what do you think? What are you giving it? Uh, I'm also going to give it a 3.5. I had a lot of fun. I do, uh, I do like the scares they do. I think they're a lot of fun. And I think the movie overall is just very inventive. Um, it does have its flaws, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. Perfect. We're on the exact same wavelength. What's your horror struck rating? It's going to be lower than what I thought. What? Okay, so last night when I asked what you thought it was, you said a 4.5. Yes. Yes. Do you want to guess now and... And see if you're right. Are you sticking with a 4.5? 3.5. It's a 4. Oh, I was right there in the middle. I was close. Oh, you were really close. When it wants to be scary, it's really scary. But like throughout the movie, mostly it's fine. There are just a few things that really stuck with me, but not enough for me to like, I wasn't afraid to like go to sleep or like I didn't leave a light on or anything like that. But I never want to see that fucking witch again. Not the witch, the the ghost. What's yours? Uh, 1.5. What was it the first time you watched it? Probably would have been more around like a three. Okay. But I think since I knew it was coming, it was still, it was still scary. But like when I didn't know it was coming, much more frightening. Yeah, that's fair. I didn't know it was coming. And that was awful. And now if I ever rewatch this, I am going to close my eyes. I think all four points go to her. Next week, we've just got a silly, goofy little bonus episode for you since I will be out of town, but be on the lookout for our review the following week of The Taking of Deborah Logan. All right, horror fans, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Horrorstruck. If you want to hear more from us, you can head on over to Twitter and Instagram where we are at HorrorstruckPod, or you can check us out on Facebook at HorrorstruckPodcast. If you have any movie recommendations, you can go ahead and tweet those at us and give it your very own horror-struck rating. Until next time, horror fans, remember, stay spooky. Bye! Bye.